We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 32, Doctrine and Covenants 85 through 87. Stand ye in holy places. We are studying it August 2nd through 8th. Just a little bit of background with this um, couple of sections. Um, I was going to read what it says in the Individuals and Families Manual. It says, Christmas Day is usually a time to ponder messages like peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But on December 25th, 1832, Joseph Smith's mind was occupied with the threat of war. South Carolina had justified the United States government and was preparing for battle. And the Lord revealed to Joseph that this was only the beginning. War, he declared, will be poured out upon all nations. That's from section 87. It seemed like this prophecy would be fulfilled very soon, but then it wasn't. Within just a few weeks, South Carolina and the U.S. government reached a compromise, and war was averted. But revelation is not always fulfilled at the time or in the way we expect. Nearly 30 years later, long after Joseph Smith was martyred, and the saints had moved west, South Carolina did rebel and civil war followed. Since then, war throughout the world has caused the earth to mourn. While the prophecy was ultimately fulfilled, the value of this revelation is less in predicting when calamity will come and more in teaching what to do when it does. The council is the same in 1831, 1861, and 2021. Stand ye in holy places and be not moved. Sometimes I just have to read it right out of the manual. Well, a lot of the time because it's so, it, they say it so much better than I can. I'm grateful that we have revelation in the world and in our lives today because whew, the world is a scary place and I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to have a refuge from this storm that is the world that we live in so let's go ahead and jump into the lesson today the first section I actually got from the individuals and families manual it is good to keep a history. And this is from Doctrine and Covenants 85. Sorry, <laughs> check 85 verse 1. It is the duty of the Lord's clerk whom he has appointed to keep a history and a general church record of all things that transpire in Zion and of all those who consecrate properties and receive inheritances legally from the bishop and also their manner of life, their faith and works. And in the Individuals and Families Manual, this is the question asks, what could you record about your manner of life, faith, and works that might be a blessing to future generations? How might this history be a blessing for you? I really appreciate pondering on this and thinking about things I can do better on with keeping a history or journaling. I know some people write in a journal, like at least once a week, and I am not that person, <laughs> but I do like to document important things that have happened in my life and take lots of pictures and videos and make sure that the important aspects of my life are being um, preserved. I also really like about just trying to capture my manner of life, faith, and works. And um, I look back on my ancestors and there's some of them I wish I knew more 
about their manner of life and their faith and their works. And I know that it would be a blessing to me to hear their stories. And I do have some stories and I have some amazing stories from my ancestors. And I'm grateful for those who did keep a history and write some things down so that I can learn from their examples. And um, I'm grateful for that. But I think it's also good to encourage your kids to write a little bit about their life. Or um, I remember when I was not quite eight years old, (laughs) um, the Bountiful Utah Temple was, they had the open house. And we all went and did the open house. I, I still remember parts of it. I remember being in the chapel and seeing the pic, the big picture of Christ in there. And I remember feeling the spirit. And I remember seeing the baptistry. And I remembered the ceiling room. And of course the bride's room because every girl remembers the bride's room, of course, right? Um, and after we went through and did that, my parents sat us down at home one by one with the video camera and asked us to talk about our experiences in the temple. And I'm grateful that my little seven-year-old heart was able to recognize the spirit that I felt there and make some promises to myself that I would go back and be able to be there again someday. Luckily, I turned eight before they dedicated the temple, so (laughs) Um, I was able to be at the dedication, and that was a big deal for me to be there. Um, But I love that I was able, I have since gone back and watched our home videos, and I was grateful for that little snippet of me and my siblings. We were so young, but we had a testimony of the temple and of the spirit and of Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful that my parents documented that. And I could definitely do better with things like that in my family's life. So just something I wanted to kind of put out there and felt impressed to share and include that piece in our lesson today. All right, the next section is The Spirit Speaks with a Still Small Voice. So this is from Elder Richard G. Scott. He said, if you accomplish nothing else in your relationship with your students than to help them recognize and follow the promptings of the Spirit, you will bless their lives immeasurably and eternally. And that's um, to, it was at a Brigham Young University Education Week devotional. But I think about that as a mother, my children are my students. In so many ways, I am homeschooling them, but also just it is my job as a nurturer. And that is my role in my family, by given by my Heavenly Father. I am the ultimate person to teach my children to recognize and follow the promptings of the Spirit. And I try really hard, and I hope I'm doing okay. That is the biggest and most important thing your children can learn from you. Okay, 
Joseph Smith, in section 85, describes the Holy Ghost. So this is verse 6. Yea, thus saith the still small voice, which whispereth through and pierceth all things, and oftentimes it maketh my bones to quake, while it maketh manifest. Isn't that beautiful? Joseph, who has like little education, can be super eloquent sometimes. Which we know he's speaking with the Spirit and the power of our Heavenly Father when he is um, receiving revelation. But I love that. So ask the children to name things that are small. You can have pictures of small things if that helps. Um, so, I mean, if you are stumped trying to think of things that are small, you could think about a pin. That's something people always talk about as being small, right? Or a penny. Or, I mean, you can get even smaller. You can show them a thread or a bead. <laughs> um, just think of things that are small. Invite them to crouch down on the ground, and they can be as small and still as they can. And help them think about how a voice can be small. And how can they... How can they hear something that is small like that? Um, invite them to practice listening and then speaking in a small voice. And bear your testimony and tell about times when the Spirit spoke to you in a still small voice. You can also, um, there's a few activities that I found um, either in the primary manual the Individuals and Families Manual and the Friend have some fun things. So in the primary manual it says to play a hymn or a song, um, like children's primary song, really quietly. And have one of the children guess which what song it is. While all the other kids in the class make distracting noises. Hopefully you can keep it reverent. <laughs> I feel like it's... Um, as soon as you open the, the floodgates of, okay, make noise, they're going to make a lot of noise. But maybe just encourage them to clap or tap their feet or, I mean, you could even bring like quiet-ish noisemakers that are just distracting and take away and um, make it so that the child has a hard time hearing the hymn. So then you ask the kids to stop making the noise and talk about how that's like hearing the Holy Ghost. How can the distractions in our lives, how can we get those to go away so that we can hear and focus on the Holy Ghost? In the individuals, sorry, individuals and families manual, it says maybe you could play a game in which someone whispers important instructions amid distracting noises. What might be distracting us from hearing the Holy Ghost? Perhaps family members could share what they do to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I like that idea as well. So start helping the kids list or think of ideas of ways to remove distractions from their lives. I know adults could do this. This is an important thing even for adults. How do we remove distractions? Well, I know my phone is a distraction often. So take time to put your phone down and do something else. Um <laughs> Just a couple days ago, it's amazing I just had this experience. This week, um, I had been using my phone for things, 
um, my charger hadn't, um, it like got knocked out of the wall, so it wasn't plugged in all the way, so it didn't charge my phone, so my phone died in the middle of the day, which was like the worst possible thing that could happen, right? <laughs> so I plugged my phone in during the day, and, um, I was sitting with my children, they were swimming in our pool, and I was sitting out there with them. And often when I'm sitting out with my kids while they're playing and doing things, I'll just kind of watch them, but like also pick up my phone occasionally and do things um, while watching them, which isn't a healthy thing to do either. And I'm trying to do better with that. But I didn't have my phone because it had died. And so it was charging in the house and I was outside. And as I sat there watching my children play, and just feeling the breeze on my face, enjoying being wet and having my feet in the pool. Um, I was just still. And even though there was a lot of noise from my cute little kids playing, I felt the spirit. And I had some strong impressions of things that I needed to do because I had been stressed and praying about a few things. But I didn't get the answer until I put my phone away. And I just sat without the, that distraction. And that's when the promptings came to my, to my mind. It's so real, guys. <laughs> it's so real. The distractions... Satan's tactics, even though the things I was doing weren't bad, I would, you know, do some research on homeschool curriculums, or I'd um, message my ministering sisters, and sometimes I was checking up on an old friend on Facebook, <laughs> or um, doing my grocery list on Walmart, because I always do the grocery pickup, and like, Sometimes I just do those things without even thinking about how important it is to just set the phone down and do nothing except be there. Be still, as President Hinckley taught us. And that's when the still, small voice will speak to us, is when we are still Isn't that perfect? We're in tune, right? When we are still, we can speak with the still small voice. There's a cool epiphany I just had. <laughs> All right, moving forward. I think I've already cried enough for one podcast, right? All right, ask the children what they would say if someone asked them how they know when the Holy Ghost speaks to them. I know we've had this conversation a few times with our kids and on the podcast but it's good to reminder you can also uh, teach the children a song about the spirit such as the Holy Ghost and I wanted to read the lyrics to that song when Christ was on the earth he promised he would send the Holy Ghost to comfort us our true eternal friend the Holy Spirit whispers with a still small voice he testifies of God in Christ and makes our hearts rejoice. 
and when we're confirmed by sacred priesthood power, the Holy Ghost is given to us to guide us every hour. Oh, may I always listen to that still small voice, and with his light I'll do what's right each time I make a choice. There's so much truth in these songs that we teach the kids, guys. <laughs> Even if you just read the lyrics to the kids, they're going to feel a spirit. All right. Invite them to sing with you in a whisper. What does this song teach us about the Holy Ghost? Help the children recognize when they have felt his influence, such as when praying singing hymns, or helping others. <clears throat> in the in the friend, for the, like, really, really little kids, it has a suggestion that says, sing a hymn or a primary song very quietly. Practice concentrating on hearing and understanding the song. Help your little ones say, I can listen for the Holy Ghost. Isn't that like such a profound thing to teach like our tiny little people? Anyway, I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. <laughs> also in The Friend, there's a story called The Important Guest. And it's so cute. Um, so the little boy in the story, his mom's told him and his sister... She said, I need you guys to, like, help me clean up the house because we have a special guest coming tonight for a family night. And so she got, they they cleaned their rooms and they cleaned the house and they helped mom make dinner and set the table. And, and when their dad got home, they said, dad, there's a special guest coming tonight. They were, like, so excited. And then when they sat down, they said, oh, like, okay, what's the, who's the special guest? And their mom and dad said, well, they had talked about, things they could do to welcome the guest into their home. And, you know, they talked about making the guest feel welcome and making sure that it was, like, uh, a place where that guest wanted to be. And um, so when they talked about the guest was the Holy Ghost, they said, well, how can we help the Holy Ghost feel welcome here? So they talked about the things they had already talked about. We need to make it a place where he feels welcome so they talked about things they could do to make the Holy Ghost feel invited to be in their home. I really liked that story because I think it helps the kids realize that we have to make, we have to invite the Holy Ghost to be in our lives. He's not just going to come in with like, a flaming sword and be like, stop doing this, right? Not usually. The Holy Ghost is quiet. And we have to invite him into our lives by being still. We need to invite him into our lives by repenting and being clean. And desiring to have him in our lives. So, I liked that story. It helped me a lot. And I hope it will help the kids as well. Alright, the next section is, I can be a light to others. So, this is Doctrine and Covenants 86, verse 11. Blessed are ye, if ye continue in my goodness, a light unto the Gentiles, or people who don't have the gospel. I like the explanation for the kids. 
How does light bless us? <sighs> Guys, this is deep. <laughs> um, so when you want to introduce this to the kids, I know we've talked about light a little bit before, but you could talk to the kids about what would happen if there was no light. I know some kids have experienced a power outage, and you could talk about that and what it felt like to not have any light. Um, or, you know, if they've woken up at night and been a little disoriented. My kids like to sleep with their lamp on, and of course, the night that our power went out, they woke up and their lamp was off and they freaked out. And so I think about that. What happens when we don't have light? Well, it's scary. Usually we don't know where we are. It's hard to see, to know where to go. What what we're supposed to do. Um, so how can we be a light? How can we be a light to other people? Potentially people who are in the dark. Which in this case, in the metaphor... The people who are in the dark are the people without the gospel. How can we be their light? Well, we can help them not be scared. We can light the way forward, help show them where to go, right? Um, so help the kids think of ways they can share Jesus' goodness with others. I like that. I like that idea of light also being Jesus's goodness. Another word for Jesus's goodness is charity. How can we have charity and show that charity for others and be like Jesus and try to be kind and loving and how can we do that? How do we do that? Um, the kids have great, great ideas, I'm sure. If you ask them, they're going to tell you ways that they are kind and nice and inviting. Ask the kids to imagine that they have a friend who's walking or trying to walk in the dark. If you need to, you can turn off all the lights and even have someone try to walk in the dark. Why is it so hard to walk in the dark? What can we do to help our friend as they're walking through the dark? Explain. That when we follow the Savior, it's like shining a light to show others the way to go. Now, how do they see that light, right? How are they going to recognize that the example that you are providing is a light? Well, hopefully they're going to see that you're happy and that you have the Spirit with you. And they're going to be drawn to you, just like we're drawn to light. We we'll want to be where that is. And they'll see the things that you're doing that are bringing that light into your life. The Leahona, or friend magazines, have good ideas of um, good example stories that you can share with the kids. So I went through all the stories in the August Friend which is why I found that other one, which was really good. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you some of the ones that I found that were good stories for showing good examples. The first one is called Who Can We Help? And that's about a girl and her family who 
um, they have bananas and they're sharing them with their neighbors who are, a lot of their neighbors are homebound because of um, the coronavirus. And so she realizes that a lot of these neighbors are not able to go and be with family and um, they can't go to church and stuff. And so they invited them all to these homebound friends, neighbors. They invited them to a, a virtual family home evening. And so they helped them that way. And I really loved that example. It's a great, great one. Another story or example in the friend is meet Porter from Poland. So Porter, this is a real boy with pictures of him and his family. Um, Porter is a good friend and he, you know, he's nice to kids at recess and it talks about that in there. Um, but he also helps, he takes pictures of graves so that um, it's part of a project called Billion, Billion Graves or something like that. Um, so that's a cool story that you could read about. Um, another great story is called Not Invited. It's about a little girl who um, one of her friends at school is having a birthday party and she was inviting some people. And she, this little girl finds out that she wasn't invited to her friend's birthday party. And this friend told her that she said, I could, my, you know, I could only invite, I think she's like five friends. And she's like, I feel really bad. I'm sorry, but I, you know, I couldn't. And so this little girl's sad and talks to her mom about it. And her mom encourages her to forgive and to be understanding to her friend. And so she does, and she continues to be this girl's friend to play with her at recess and be nice to her. And then a little while later, this girl has her own birthday party. And her mom asked her who she wanted to invite. And, of course, she wants to invite this friend, even though she didn't get invited to that friend's birthday party. She still wants to invite her and include her as a friend. And I loved that example of forgiveness and um, continuing to be someone's friend, even when they hurt your feelings. Because it's really hard when we've had our feelings hurt. All right, and the last one is a little bit more for older kids, but you can share it with whatever group you feel comfortable with. It's called The Drug Decision. It's about a little boy who was at school, and some kids at school found some drugs, and they wanted to see what they were all about, and so they invited him, and he said no. So that's a cool one, too. That one is cool because it, it's going, so we are on the verge. Next week we're going to study um, the Word of Wisdom. So a lot of the stories in the friend this month go with the Word of Wisdom. So that's one of them. But I liked that it also shows this kid being an example to the kids in his class and standing up for what he knows to be right. The friend also suggests that we sing I Am Like a Star. If you know that song, it's I Am Like a Star, shining brightly, shining for the whole world to see. I can do and say happy things each day, for I know Heavenly Father loves me. Isn't that a perfect song? I love that one. My kids all love that one. Um, another s suggestion in the friend is to draw a candle on a piece of paper and color the flame on top. Cut it out and attach it to your shirt or hang it around your neck with string like a necklace. And then with your family, talk about what you can do to be a good example. It's kind of a fun activity you could do for family home evening or something. Or even just one-on-one -on -one with one of your kids. Alright, the next section is called, I Can Help Gather God's People. 
So this is the section. It talks about the wheat and the tares parable. So if any of the kids in your class or your family know this parable, it would be great if you wanted to let them be the one to tell it. But if not, you probably should go and review it yourself if you don't remember all the things. So it's in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. So I'm actually going to read it because I want it to be fresh on our minds. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So, for those who aren't as familiar with this story, tares are like a weed that kind of looks like wheat. And um, so they grow together, and but you can't harvest tares. Like, it doesn't produce fruit like the wheat does. The fruit being the, you know, the seeds and stuff that we harvest and turn into flour. Um, so in case you need to you have a little <laughs> science or world lesson here. Um, so you could paraphrase this or you could read it. It's up to you. Or you could even like invite a child to learn it beforehand so they can paraphrase it. But then you can have your kid, the children in your class or your family, draw pictures of the parable or just one thing that they remembered from the parable. Just anything that they could think of, right? Then read Doctrine and Covenants 86, 1 through 7. And as you're reading these, you can match up things in these verses that um, explain the parable and put, so we're going to label what it represents. So as you do that, have the kids, if they drew a picture, have them label what their picture represents, like what the thing in their picture represents. And um, it's a really great way to help solidify this parable. So here we go. Verse 1. Verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants, concerning the parable of the wheat and of the tares. Behold, verily I say, the field was the world, and the apostles were the sowers of the seed. And after they have fallen asleep, the great persecutor of the church, the apostate, the whore, even Babylon, that maketh all nations to drink of her cup, in whose hearts the enemy, even Satan. There you go. There's the enemy. Sitteth reign. Behold, he soweth the tares. Wherefore, the tares choke the wheat and drive the church into the wilderness. So do you know what the different things are so far? So the field is the world. The apostles are the sowers of the seed or the servants. Okay. And the seeds 
are is the church, right? The wheat are the people in the church. The persecutor or the enemy is Satan. And um, let's see, verse four. But behold, in the last days, even now, while the Lord is beginning to bring forth the word, and the blade is springing up and is yet tender, which means it's time to harvest, right? The latter days, it's time to harvest. Behold, verily I say unto you, the angels are crying unto the Lord day and night, who are ready and waiting to be sent forth to reap down the fields. So the angels are ready to gather the harvest, right? But the Lord saith unto them, Pluck not up the tares, while the blade is yet tender. For verily your faith is weak, lest you destroy the wheat also. So, while we're, while the church is young, don't disturb it, right? It could, it could hurt it. Wherefore, let the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest is fully ripe. Then ye shall first gather out the wheat from among the tares. And after the gathering of the wheat, behold and lo, the tares are bound in bundles, and the field remaineth to be burned. So, pretty awesome but intense stuff. So you can prepare several small pictures or drawings of wheat and hide them around the room. Invite each child to help gather the wheat and write on it, the name of someone they can gather to Jesus Christ. What does it mean to gather people to Jesus Christ? What are some ways we can do this? What does it mean to continue in the Savior's goodness, and how does that help us gather people to him? So again, we're going back to that light, right? If we are a light, we will draw people to us. That's how we gather. That's how we can help in this process of Harvesting the wheat. But also, I know this is kind of a weird idea, but we can't let those tares stay tares, right? We've got to bring people, help people be wheat. We don't want them to be with the tares. And um, so drawing them out and gathering them is, is crucial. So I've always... I don't know if I'd say always. I like that parable, and I've liked it for a long time. Um, When the Rexburg Temple was dedicated, even before it was dedicated, the if you know, I guess so. There's wheat fields, and that's where the temple was built. Was in a wheat field, (laughs) Um, and the so each temple when they build a temple, they kind of make a theme in the temple that has to do with something that's unique to the area in which the temple is built. So the Bountiful Temple, kind of the theme in there was the city of Bountiful from the Book of Mormon, which is why some of the designs in there are a little bit more Native American looking. Um, The design in the Rexburg Temple was, or is, um, wheat. And so when we talked about this, um, there was a lot of talks given and things talked. We were we talked about wheat, and we talked about the prayer of the wheat and the tares. And President well, Elder Bednar came and gave a beautiful devotional that was so life changing for me. 
Because he talked about when you gather wheat, you put it in a safe house to store it up for the season that it is needed. And he said, you know what that safe house is? It's the temple. That's where we are put. That's where the wheat is safe. And that's where we're gathered. And I just, it made me feel so much more driven to be in the temple. And to be safe and to be, be counted among the Lord's. The Lord's wheat. Anyway, if you can go and find that talk, it would be fantastic to listen to. But, whew, anyway, we need to keep moving. <laughs> Alright, next section. Our homes can be holy places. I really appreciate um, the, the little subheading <laughs> in the primary manual for both the older and the younger kids. So the younger kids says no home is perfect but there are things we can all do to make our homes into holy places of peace i like that it's giving me hope that my house doesn't have to be a perfect place for it to be a holy place and then in the older children section it says the children you teach will face spiritual and physical dangers throughout their lives you can help them prepare to face those dangers by teaching them to find and stand in holy places it's also oh, so good. All right, so first we can go back to the background, right? What is going on in the world right now? The Civil War is like looming, right? Joseph Smith is like super worried about what's going on. So you can um, read the heading of Section 87 to the children, or you can read Chapter 30 in the Doctrine and Covenant Stories which is called A Revelation About War. Or you can just read or kind of summarize to the kids that there's some there's some tension going on. And so Joseph Smith is worried about what is happening. And uh, so let's first listen to things that made Joseph worried. So this is um, section 87, verse 1. The wars that will shortly come to pass, beginning at the rebellion of South Carolina, which will eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. That kind of ominous. All right, verses two and three. War shall be poured out upon all nations. And then verse six. With the sword and by bloodshed, the inhabitants of the earth shall mourn. And with famine and plague and earthquake and the thunder of heaven and the fierce and vivid lightning also shall the inhabitants of the earth be made to feel the wrath and indignation and chastening, chastening hand of an almighty God until the consumption decreed hath made a full end of all nations. That's extremely intense. Do you think we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed here? So talk to the children about challenges that they face if you feel it's appropriate for their age what are some things that are hard right now or overwhelming or challenging to kids today they will probably bring up a lot of things that are real and things that were not challenging when i was their age it's amazing to me the things that kids today have to face it's very overwhelming to me to raise children in the world that they're being raised in 
which scares me a lot. But there's hope. And that's found in verse 8. It says, teach what the Lord said we should do about those problems. In verse 8. Wherefore, stand ye in holy places, and be not moved, until the day of the Lord come. For behold, it cometh quickly, saith the Lord. Amen. There's hope, guys. There's hope. Tell the children about holy places that you've had in your life. Sometimes the places that you're in aren't holy when you need them to be. But, luckily, we can make a place holy. Alright, sorry, moving forward. Help the children make a list of holy places, holy thoughts, and holy actions that can help them face spiritual danger. And there's um, two videos that it suggests. One is called Standing in Holy Places, and the other one is Stand Ye in Holy Places, Bloom Where You're Planted. And both of those are linked in the primary manual. So, really quick to find those if you need to in there. Also, help them, invite them to keep that list of things they can be, do, and think that can help them. Put that list somewhere where they can see it and refer to it easily. In the Individuals and Families Manual, it suggests you could invite family members to design a home for someone who loves the Savior. This may lead to ideas about how to redesign your home to make it a place of peace amid the spiritual danger in the world. I really like that idea. Um, if any of your kids are into those like designing games, this would be really fun to kind of make it a, here's a picture of a room, decorate it for someone who likes Christ and loves Christ a lot. Um, I love that idea. Too bad my kids are a little bit too young for that. I feel like they would not quite get into that, but I think it's a fun idea to, to make it, um, make them really think about what that home would look like. It also, the family, individuals and families manuals also suggest that you sing love at home. Home can be a heaven on earth or where love is. Um, I also wanted to read a little excerpt from a talk. In the indi individuals and families manual, it suggests we read a home where the spirit of the Lord dwells by Henry B. Eyring. And that's from April 2019. I know we've quoted this talk before because as I was going through, I was like, we just did this talk because I remember that and I remember that. But it's a good one and I really, really encourage you to go and listen to it again or read it. Um, but it, it's just so full of truth and promises and important things that will help us as parents. But I wanted to read a little piece of it. As you help them grow in faith, Jesus Christ is their loving redeemer. They will feel a desire to repent as they do humility. Sorry, he's referring to our children, by the way. As they do, humility will begin to replace pride. As they begin to feel what the Lord has given them, they will want to share more generously. Rivalry for prominence or recognition will diminish. Hay will be driven out by love. And finally, like it did for the people converted by King Benjamin, 
The desire to do good will fortify them against temptation to sin. King Benjamin's people testified that they had no more disposition to do evil. There's a lot in there. It's a really good talk. But that kind of sums it up. If we teach our children to have faith in Jesus and that he is their Savior and Redeemer, they will be changed and they will hopefully have no more desire to do evil and they will be more peaceful and loving towards each other. You could show a picture of a home and help the, the children think of ways that they can make their home more like the temple and that is the activity page. It's a, a outline of a house and they can draw a picture in there of them making the house holy or write on it. So the final question, why do we want to be in holy places? Can I go back to the wheat and the tares? That is where we are gathered. That is where we are safe. And when we have a place where we can feel the Spirit whisper to our hearts, where we can be still and be able to have the inspiration and the guidance that we need in this world, we can survive the turbulent craziness that the world is. That's why President Nelson has told us that we need to hear him. Because that is what's going to get us through these latter days. Have a great week, everyone. I love you.